Welcome to Let's Chit Chat, sis. This your girl, Kimmy. This your girl, Celeste. And I'm your boy, JB, from NC. And we're back on the porch tonight, bringing you the hottest topics with the best conversations. And we have with us tonight, we have Catherine. And we, before we get into our conversation about black men do cry, we're going to have icebreaker. Now, don't get mad at me, y'all. I picked out one today that Celeste told me just to jump over, but, you know, I'm like a royal fan. Did anybody see the um, comment about um, Prince uh, Charles still being very upset with um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle about the conversation or the interview with um, Oprah Winfrey? Mm. I didn't hear about him being upset, but it definitely doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. Well, it, it kind of surprised me because I, I I bring it up as a top a icebreaker is because you know his parent, his father just died, and you would think that if your dad just died, would that still be a uh, something that you would still be you know harping on? when you just buried your dad, you know, is that something that is really important to you? Uh, once you have like, I mean, a different type of mindset, once you want to be more in the mindset of let's bring the family together. Cause um, Harry didn't even stay for um, the queen's birthday. You know, that, that whole uh, monarchy, it's a little, uh, strain right about now so wouldn't you think that this would be something that he would you know kind of push away from instead of giving comments about how he feels that um harry has betrayed um the the monarchy and um his his duty to the to the to the monarchy i think they're just trying to hold those traditions she can't Nothing can 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 tarnish what they you know what they want to keep in place. Yeah, I agree but, with you, Celeste. I I think that people go above and beyond to to do whatever they can to keep. Um, I I look at it as um, just a racist regime. Really, I, I don't really care what people. Well, think. I was about to say, Kimmy, the reasoning for the interview or what he was saying, I should say, I think is what they really have an issue with. The timing, unfortunate time of the grandfather, uh, Charles's father. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Harry was already talking about racism mm-hmm. in the palace mm-hmm. and how his wife was being treated and other people mm-hmm. was now you're, you know, you're like pulling the wool back on the mm-hmm. clean, perfect, royal, you know, family and all this and yada, yada, yada. So I think that's what upset the... Uh, grandfather the father I'm the sorry. father yeah yeah the father upset the father that it was about racism that he talked about mm-hmm. racism that it probably should have been like hush hush this is in-house we don't take you know you don't air our dirty laundry you know that kind of thing but do you so, think you it's really air your dirty laundry when it's just been a, a history of it well i'm saying is but we hadn't heard anything about it. you don't you think know, so? no one's got no one's been bold enough and brazen enough now, was a family member too. Yeah, they yeah, I guess you got a point. TV. Yeah, you know that's 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 yeah. a pretty bold thing. My son better not get out. My son better not get on national TV and start talking about me like that. And what you gonna do? 
They can't go on the court. Slid. He can be slid on his eyebrows. They won't recognize him next time they see him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jay. I, I think that it was it was the timing of um you know, I think it was the timing that came, you know, made it more apparent. I think apparent. I think that it's getting worse because what the um the aftermath is, you know, she can't wear any of the jewels or anything. I don't think she's even pressed. I don't know why they keep her acting like Mega Marco is a pauper or something like that. Like she doesn't have her own her own money, you know what I mean? She had money before she went into the relationship with Harry, you know what I mean? So stop trying to demean her. So, but you know, I just wanted to bring that up because you know I follow that man. You know, I think Meghan Markle is really cool. So you know, I say do you, sister? Because if they um they they hate on you, let them continue to hate. You know, but tonight we have a topic that I hope everybody enjoys. Um, it's a topic that, like I said. We don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about men, black men, um, their emotional state. Black men do cry. You know, um, what what is it that that we have taught our black men that it's not okay to cry? So we're gonna have a conversation about that tonight, and um, we are graced to have um, Catherine on the porch with us tonight. And Catherine, we welcome you. And if you would like to. Um, start off and just tell us a little bit about you but again welcome to the porch welcome welcome Gavin. i feel like there should be like a sweet tea or an <laughs> iced peach tea or something waiting for me at the porch i don't know that's what porch I like that. Yeah. oh that was awesome that's only because it's virtual we usually bring our own <laughs> we brown <laughs> stuff <laughs> We always well, have a we, beverage. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. Um, well, born and raised, Queens, New York girl. Uh, awesome. In my last year of my 20s, I work in tech and I'm a content mm. curator as well as a creative manager, but I founded the platform Black Men Cry Too. Mm. And that platform is a digital web series where it acts as an invitation for men of color to unpack their hurt and share their truth. And we want to encourage them to know that it's okay that they can cry too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, so Catherine, before we get started, because that was a mouthful right there. Tell us, <laughs> tell us how, how did you, how did you even want to create this platform? Uh, I think that's an interesting way to ask the question. I don't think I wanted to create it. Mm -hmm. I think what was happening was the universe was moving me in that direction okay. and sort of guiding me to create this platform. It wasn't anything that I had at the forefront. I never told myself I was going to be a podcaster or at this rate, um, hosting a web series because I do an actual digital visual with it. It just so happened that I noticed a trend was going on in my life. A lot of my black male friends and black males that I was entertaining and dating were releasing heavy experiences and heavy perspectives. And I felt like I haven't heard it or seen it in the media. And it was just enlightening. And it was also a little bit heartbreaking. Like, well, this is the emotions and the experience that they've been harboring and holding on to. When have they been releasing? Like, how 
are they able to wake up every morning and still show up for work or still mm. laugh at the bar with me? Like this is petty stuff that they're experiencing that I had no idea was occurring or had occurred in their life or made them think a certain way. So after seeing that trend, um, a friend of mine had said it after I did a panel. So there's a big push around the black community going into therapy and healing, but it's mainly around women. What about black men? Mm -hmm. Black men cry too. And as soon as he said it, I was like, I'm going to do something with that. I don't know, but I want to do something with that. Like that just hit home. And ever since he said that to me, I was thinking about, well, what can I do? Like, what can I make this one saying become? And time went on and I realized this is how I wanted to create the first step of a platform, which is now turning into a movement. It is definitely a movement, and um, I thank you because I I say this is um, it's a movement um that like I said is overdue, and you hit on a a lot of points that it's always feels like it's a safe place for women to um to say hey, you know we're we're struggling, you know what I mean? Can someone help us? Um, but it's almost um forbidden i would say forbidden for a black mm-hmm. man to say i'm struggling you know what i mean and i'm mm-hmm. not feeling my best so um i'm gonna let my my co-host you know jump in you know because um that's like that's like a ow like jay you a black yeah. man well thank you uh catherine um for first of all bringing a platform together to I mean, it's a much needed topic. It's a very sensitive topic. Um, I, I, I have not personally ever held back any of my tears uh, all my entire life. Um, I can't say that I had the father that said to me, don't cry. However, I did have an uncle and I have cousins and I even have a brother that really suppressed showing that emotion. Um, but fear, which is a false reality of it being a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's a false reality that if you cry, it's a weakness when it is a human emotion. It's actually an indication that you're alive and you're functioning well, that something bothers you. And this is what your body, how your body is coping with it. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay that we, but that's where, in my experience, is that. The vulnerability of crying is not something that a lot of men want to expose. Right. You know, so it's ironic when I saw this topic coming up, Kimmy, I, I looked and I remembered something that Michael Bazin had once said, and he actually wrote a book, Men Cry in the Dark. Kathy, you're probably mm-hmm. aware of it already. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, he really hit the nail on the head. He really hit the nail on the head where we males struggle with letting it be known we have cried in the dark but we don't want anyone to see us cry and that's a false reality of needing to suppress an emotion for fear of being perceived as being weak mm. that's and i say this to ladies too if you run into a man who says he won't cry you need to turn around and go the other way but if he says he never cries that's an that's an emotional imbalance he's struggling with something there but thank you for doing that because it is a much needed discussion. Um, and uh, when I lost my father, it's from personal in 2012, I was sitting there 
at the burial. And I don't like those. I'm that guy. I promise you, I'm not going to go back to the gravesite. I'm not going to take flowers. I go because I absolutely have to to pay my last respects. But I just don't like it. I don't feel comfortable with it. But at the burial, my father got full military um, ceremony. And my mom was to my right, myself, then my brother beside me that's closest to me, and then my oldest brother at the far end. And I heard my brother beside me, and it really disturbed me as he was saying, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. He kept repeating that to himself. Mm. Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And his lips were quivering, and he was doing everything he could to hold himself together. Where once they put my father in the ground, I lost. You know, right then, that was, for me, my moment where I didn't try not to cry because when my mom first called and told me, I cried about it. And then when I walked into the house, it was very surreal. The morning, and when he died the night before, I drove straight home. So I walked in the house, still smelling my dad, still seeing the house, still seeing everything. And I'm walking through the house as though everything's okay. And it was, you know, because I was sort of in shock. But the moment for me is when, you know, they actually lowered him in the ground, you know, um, and I, I released. I let myself release. I surely did. And so hearing my brother say that, um, I said one day God will give me a way that maybe him and I can have that discussion um, about why he did not want to cry, you know, from his personal perspective. Right. So um, I think it's a great idea, too, because you probably will be able to get more response from men and them opening up to you, Catherine, than they would to me. Did you ever end up asking your brother why he didn't want to cry at your father's funeral? No, uh, I didn't ask him at that time. And I didn't ask him. And again, it's been several years, you know, so it's one of those things where, you know, I said, I'm going to find the right day, the right way when the subject comes up and, you know, we can have that dialogue. But I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable and feel he has to go in some type of shell by me bringing it up, mm-hmm. you know, about that. Because we all handle death and the loss of loved ones and that whole process differently. Mm-hmm. So if he felt at that moment the need was to suppress it, I don't want him to feel as though I was questioning it, mm-hmm. you know, and the validity of it to, to him and his life at that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. But I did want to have a conversation with him at some point of why does he feel the need too suppressed mm-hmm. to kind of have an idea, but I didn't want to have that conversation with him. So God willing that that time will come. Well, know, we can have that conversation. Let me just say this before. Um, sorry, Celeste, I know you next. Um, oh, but no, no, no. Yeah, this, this kind of popped in my head, Catherine, because I have, I was, I have brothers and I had a conversation with my brother cause, um, he wanted me to, um, kind of bring his point of view and he kind of brought something back to me um, about when we were growing up and this is probably something common because when you grow up I'm you from New York I'm from Philly you know the you know the typical growing up in the north and things like that well I remember my brother said this to me just the other day he said remember um because he was he he's actively knowing what type of episodes comes out on the porch he said, remember, Dad used to always say, um, you better stop crying if I give you something to cry about. And that was just something common, you know, if you got in trouble, you know, like if you get in a, a spanking, 
You are not supposed to cry. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's pain. You know what I mean? That's pain. But I just remember my dad used to say that to my brothers. You know what I mean? Well, my dad wouldn't even like, wouldn't even like hit me or my sisters. My dad used to just like look at us and we would just like fall, fall in line. But my brothers would get snatched up. You know what I mean? And if they were just even remotely wanted to cry, you know, my dad would say that. And that was even like more to push it down. So my brother said, you know, that carried along with him and he was like that to his son. So, you know, kids are different today. And now he says he had to like deprogram his son to say, it's okay. And I felt like I have to do that to my son too, because my son had a conversation with me um, during this whole COVID, you know, he was not he was in his last semester of school and he's just used to being out and just being in the fresh air. Well, this lockdown was just not good for any of us, but this his mental state was being challenged, you know, and he was having a conversation like, mom, I'm just not doing good, but I'm not going to cry because I mean, you know, men are not supposed to cry. He said that to me and I immediately stopped. And I said, if you do not feel good, you let that out. I said, that's just a release of stress and pressure on you. You can cry around me. You can cry around anybody you want. I said, that does not make you any weaker, you know, smaller. I said, it makes you feel better. I said, so do what you have to do. But I just wanted to bring that point because I'm sure people come to you with all different aspects. But I know in uh, my life, this is the things that I have experienced as well. We can get into relationships um, where, I mean, I have dated people and they won't cry. They won't cry and over the most horrific things have happened, but they won't cry. But oh. go ahead, Celeste. No, I'm just listening to y'all because I had a crying husband. I told you that. <laughs> cried through the whole wedding. But <laughs> I love it. He expressed himself. And so I was thinking while y'all were talking and I was saying, you know, because I have three grandsons now. And um, I let them express themselves. But I think when we tell them, <clears throat> at least from my standpoint, and I'm going to talk to them differently after today, Catherine, mm-hmm. it's your fault. <laughs> I think when I tell them stuff like, um, when I tell the boys, don't stop crying, express yourself, I'm not trying to suppress how they feel. I'm trying to make them use their words to express. So I have to be careful after today because maybe I'm doing the same thing like I'll, you know, parents did. I never thought about it that way because every reaction to a young boy is not, ah, you know what I'm saying? So I got to be careful. I'm, I just made a mental note of that. I don't want them to suppress their feelings, but I don't want them to communicate like that all the time. If you want them to understand the different emotions, I think what the complication was or is with growing up Um, and being an adolescent is understanding all of your different emotions. And that's what I've learned on this journey with this project, with this platform is young black men and even some young black women, myself included, and I'm biracial. um, I just have a black mother. We're taught like black men are taught, young black men are taught anger, happiness. Like there's no sadness. There's no frustration. There's no stress. You don't understand the breakdown of these different emotions. I didn't understand. It wasn't, I'm being rude because I don't want to speak to this person. If this person makes me anxious, there's something about this person's energy that is unsettling for me. So I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe 
to speak. I don't feel comfortable sitting here. I'm feeling anxious. This is the feeling I have right now. So it's sort of understanding and teaching and learning with parents and young children, like how can we start teaching the adolescents what different emotions actually are so they can communicate. I'm crying right now, Grandma, because I'm upset. He broke my toy. This is my favorite toy. I'm upset about it because I'm going to miss my toy. Like how can we get them to start communicating and understanding the different aspects of their emotions? That's totally Yes, and that's a really, really good point, too. Um, by example, that's another way. Um, and, you know, to your point, Kimmy, you're right. When you're growing up, for me, I would hear that stop crying until I give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of times was when you were whining. A lot in my household, like, you were whining, <laughs> you know, crying. And they were like, okay, you, you really want something to cry about? But you're right. It does... You know, it's kind of like programming you to, hey, I've been not cry, I've been not cry. Mm-hmm. And then you made another great point too, Kathy, is that the emotion of joy or release causes you to cry. Like sometimes they get draft night or, you know, they, they won the championship. You'll see men cry. So it, it's, it's, you're right. If you're not experiencing the range of emotions, mm-hmm. if you're not being told it's okay if you're very happy, those are tears of joy. It's right, okay. Right. You know, it's all right. If you're a little worried right now, if you're a little frustrated, my grandson's nine years old. Mm-hmm. He's really excelling in sports and he's so competitive the way he gets angry if he misses a play. Oh. And he, you know, he got angry and got, he's one of those, he got mad at himself and he got teared up a little bit. You oh. know? So what I said to him was, it's okay to have that. But let's manage it and channel it, you know, mm-hmm. so you won't lose. You got to get back in the game. You got to keep playing, mm-hmm. you know, because you missed the play and, you you know, they scored a touchdown or whatever. So that's something you made a great point, Kathleen. We're not, you know, bringing this to the attention of young men that is not just happy and not just uh, uh, mad, mm-hmm. you know. You know, there's joy. There's yeah. disappointment. You yeah. know, there's things that are going to cause you to have that emotion and it's okay. It doesn't define you. Right. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. A whole range of emotions. Right. That we don't, we don't, we don't talk about. And I'm telling you now, I'm a guy, I sit here and watch a chick flick. I might tear up. You know, (laughs) I might tear up. Now I might tell you some pollen in the house, but (laughs) I I, I, I might tear right up watching a, 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 a movie or something, you know, that I feel it. And it's okay because I know it, I'm alive. And, I, and I'm glad that I share those emotions in, in that time. But it's a, it's a real reality. A lot of men do not, we are taught, you got to be hard. You got to be tough. You know, you got to be ready for this world. You can't show no signs of weakness. You can't ever show anybody that, you know, you, you, you're not on your game and you're not at any moment. If you got to defend, protect, fight, do all that, you're ready to do all that. And but life is so much more, um, you know, so much more to life, you know, and the range of emotions that involve, you know, we ain't even talk about relationships. You know, we get our yeah. heart broken too. So that's you know, we get our heart broken. We yeah, our kids don't want us, or our kids are upset with us, or you know, those things go through us and affect a wide range of emotions for men. Um, and that's another aspect of crying that, um, you know, we all run out and cheat on us and stuff. 
Jay, don't you open that door up, okay? <laughs> I mean, really. I don't know why you even want to do that. Okay. Um, for, those, so, for those that have been cheating, I'm just saying. Not nobody here, but for those that have. Well, I'm glad that you have a platform like that. Um, I have a platform of women, and I have so many men that approach me you know, via social media, and they say, what about the guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Support for the guys. And I say, you know what? That, somebody else has to take on that because I really don't have, <laughs> I don't have any expertise in that area. So it would be, a, a you know, injustice for me to do it, but I, I get a lot of that. And I'll be glad to send them your way because I get a lot. She said... <laughs> yeah, said- I do. I do. It's, and, I, and I thought about it a couple of times. Kim, I thought about, you know, adding the guys to the platform. No, and you got enough over know. there. They they want to be secure over there. You can yeah, see the that. Said, Let them find their own platform. But Do you yeah, want to see that time bomb? They want some ladies to cry too. Yeah, you want to stay safe. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what was going to happen, because we tried it with a couple of guys, it became a dating site. You know, it was like, I was <laughs> the women. So, yeah, we keep it separate, and I'll be, you know, glad to. I I, I can't wait to to refer some people to to your movement. Mm-hmm. That's, cool. That's so, cool. And I'm gonna tell you guys, I really don't trust a man that don't cry. And that's he right. shouldn't. That's I want right. to some that's emotion. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, ladies listening, you know, it's a good question to ask on the first date. Do you cry? No, when you was know, the last time you cried? That's how you asked. Yeah, there you go. The That's a good one. When the last time you cried? Yeah. Well, what if he says five years ago? Is that a red flag? That's a red deal breaker. Bye. Emotionally intelligent. Did you didn't cry when Kobe Bryant died? Like, I will let you tell me Kobe Bryant died and that made you cry. He was super what, if he doesn't play, what if he doesn't know anything about basketball? Just the simple fact that Kobe Bryant and his Kobe Bryant and his daughter and his, that that was enough to, that was that was crying material right there the the daughter and stuff you didn't have to like basketball you that I was crying as soon as I walked in the door and my brother said and the daughter died too I just start boohooing yeah I was like oh my god lord you didn't cry watching George Floyd that didn't mean oh yeah I, I, that that, that, that should have broken yeah. your heart you're a black man you didn't see yourself yes. there. You didn't yes, see yourself being represented. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So those are the questions you have to ask. And if they say five years, you'd be like, mm-hmm. right. when was the last time you cried? It's a good question. That's right. a good one. When is the and last it's, time it's you cried? It's a better question than just punching them and see if they cry. Because I was thinking, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> there's one slap in the head. There's one to see. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jay, you got the good one. It's my turn. <laughs> Y'all too. And I love it though. People are like, why are you hit me? I want you to going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, so I'm going to be the, the, the devil's advocate. Because Catherine, I usually, well, I'm, I was going to say I usually am, but sometimes JB is too. Oh, but, yeah, I can see it. So is there a difference between, um, so let me let me tell you this, this story, um, the quick story. So I, I dated a gentleman. We're very, very attracted to him. And he let me know he was very sensitive. He was he was very sensitive. <clears throat> and he cried. <laughs> well, he warned him. No, I lied. Why are you whispering? Why are you whispering? And it was a little bit of, 
Um, it was very uncomfortable. It was a lot. Kim, I'm being transparent. You told me to be transparent. We on the porch. No way. Okay, wait a minute. What is a lot? Now you just said a lot. That was all cap. Oh, that was a lot. That was I'm all just cap. Last day, or weekly, or two days a week, three days a week. And I'm gonna try to detach the be sensitive <laughs> from the crying. I, I, I want him to be sensitive. I'm talking about. They call me a hero. They like no. what? No. Every day, every day. So every day. Not every day, but it seemed like a lot. So you sound like he's kind of whining, but he wasn't really shedding tears. Sound like you're saying he's like a whiner cry. There was a lot of tears. <laughs> oh wow! But that's how he expressed himself, like we talked about, and it was different. What sounded? That sounds almost bipolar. And I'm talking about Kim. When I tell you muscle like this, dude. I mean, so he was very manly, but he was very, very in touch with his feelings, and it was, it was. It was some, you know, childhood history stuff going on, but it was a lot, JB. It was a lot. He needs a special wow, kind yeah. of person. He needs a special kind of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He needs that's, a special kind of person. He don't need you sign. or he don't need a man. He don't need a you or me. I'll just say that much. He don't need no, a you No, because you know what I was doing. I was like, oh, wow. But, but I, I will, I'm trying to change. I will, Catherine's telling me that you know it's okay for men to cry. I want to just it is. It's also okay to yeah. learn how to manage and balance and control your emotions at times as well. Hey, People can't also project. It seems like he's <laughs> right, right. he has a codependent personality, and that also is a red flag because See? if you're yes. codependent, you can't stand on your own. You still don't know yourself. I can't help you here. Right, right. <laughs> so here's something sharing from the I story. I'm a very passionate man about certain things. So that passion um, will come through. Um, for instance, I was just thinking and reflecting when I started a band and when I did my very first gig, uh, my father had passed like the year prior to that gig and I dedicated to him. But, you know, I just had an emotional moment about just when I, you know, everything I went through to put the band together you know, everybody was there, everybody showed up, and it was a great show. So at the end of the show, when everybody was done, you know, I just had that moment. That was just so much passion, you know, and that's something, you know, I kind of that probably falls into the category of the celebratory crying, you know, in that, you know, yeah. Um, but talking about Celeste, when you said a sensitive man, because, you know, you can find some sensitive guys that are just very, very passionate. Too, um, you know, because you know, sometimes a sensitive man, you know, they say, "Hell, well, he's sensitive, like he's soft, or like he's feminine, or something." When you know, the sensitivity a lot of times is really passion for or something, you know. I, uh, that. I, I guess the part I was concerned about was I couldn't get to the communication wasn't right for me. Right. It was always. It, it was never an opportunity for me to have a, a conversation because if I had a conversation, it was <laughs> I was like, like a constant right. attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm saying all that to say you ain't got you ain't passionate man shouldn't be out here crying every day. Okay, just because well, no, no one human should probably be crying every day. Yeah, because something is wrong. Something is wrong. Right. You better watch exactly. that crying every day. Something else may be 
coming that well, that's way. That's what I said. That's like a little bipolar. You cry every day. I okay, want to say, don't give them, don't give labels. Day. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yeah, that's they might be having an emotional breakdown. You know what I mean? Something is mm -hmm. not right. They I'm, more than more than so so how do we have these conversations? Because everybody's, you know, all of the young people can't be in your group. So I, I have children I'm responsible for. Jay is in front of a lot of young men that he talked to. Kim is always extending, you know, with her son and, and his friends. And what how what kind of conversations can we have with them? Um, to encourage them to express themselves and, you know, you know, just to help them, you know, how do you well, do that? I think it is <clears throat> different per case, mm -hmm. but with the same formula in mind, um, what I had to, cause I had to check myself like, well, how am I making my male friends comfortable? Mm -hmm. Let me even ask, like, why do you feel so comfortable having these challenging conversations with me? And it's the safety aspect. Do you lead with a safe space? Is it a safe environment? It doesn't have to be in a sense of literally let me set up this environment and make it comfortable for you to come in and feel like you can express yourself. But no, do you lead with a place where they can be open and expressive? They're not being judged, they're not being right. cut off, you're listening to engage, you're not just listening to respond, are you listening mm. to hear them out, are you listening to problem solve, like how are you listening, and that's where mm. I feel like it will, that help encourage more dialogue when people actually feel heard, like can you hear me out, and let's say, let's just use an example, um, I was seeing someone that I should not have been seeing, and I had said I was frustrated with work and I expressed like whatever meant I just need to vent it out. I knew what game plan I had, but it was still bothering me. So I just wanted to talk about it. His initial reaction was, well, no, if you have a problem, like I can go beat them up. Thank you. I don't need that. That's not the proper response right. I needed. That's not what I'm looking for here. Mm -hmm. And that just showed me then and there like, okay, so you're... The way that your mind operates isn't exclusive to mine. Like that's not how my brain operates. I don't jump to just physical violence to resolve a conflict. That's not my right. conflict resolution. What I was looking for was an engaging, supportive conversation. Mm -hmm. Hear me out, like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you said it to them three times. I can see how this was misconstrued. What are your next steps? Or what are you going to do for your next steps? Can we just have a conversation? Right. Can we get through this entire conversation where I feel like I can leave this conversation lighter and steady and stable instead of feeling like I'm on edge or, well, I'm never going to have that conversation with mom again. Like she just gave me a whole lecture and all I wanted to do was tell her about something that made me uncomfortable today. Or now I right. can't tell them that I'm being bullied because <clears throat> now you want to do it your way and you're not listening to what I may think I want to try my way or what may make me feel comfortable but really, how are we listening to others that we're having conversations with? Are we listening to have them be heard and seen? Or are we listening just to react and respond? I think that's a great that's a really point. Dope, it, it listening is. to respond versus listening to understand. Wow. Thank you for saying that, Kathy. And I hear what you, what I'm learning to do is that you do have to personalize practical suggestions for healing because you can't have mm -hmm. this one blanketed response. 
because everyone is, you know, so different and the hot buttons and the triggers and things they've experienced right. while they're here to me. So, you know, as a young man that you just said, his his coping skills was, I'm going to go kick his ass. You know, um, he just went from zero to 100. Really? So obviously, yeah, yeah. For him, there's a completely different approach versus someone that is going to actually listen and try and understand and dialogue a, a type of resolution. So I'm glad to hear you saying that. That's awesome. And I mean, I like the point that when you say um, answer, you know, people listen just to answer, you know what I mean? That's, that's a huge one. Um, I remember having a conversation with my daughter when she was in, um, in her 12th grade year, you know, and, you know, my daughter is the oldest. So my son is right behind her. They're 15 months apart. So that's like having twins almost because yeah. they follow, you know, each other. And by the time my, um, both of them graduated high school together. So, they were going off to school and while my daughter was over there um, doing whatever and, and at Howard and I was just constantly worrying about her, my son was over here suffering in silence because he was younger than her. You see what I'm saying? And um, she was ready to leave the nest, but he was not because he was younger. But um, I was too busy like because had her in the mindset, because she's a girl, I need to be right here holding her hand, blah, 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 and not with him. You see, you see what I'm saying? So mm. um, lots of red flags was being missed because, you know, it was like, oh, I'm not um, hearing his cry for his, his needs of being mentally exhausted. You know what I mean? He was like getting physically sick you know like he was sick and he wouldn't tell me and then it was almost the end of the first year and I could tell that something was going wrong but the whole year was almost gone and then it was like a red flag pop like something is not right you know with him you know fast forward you know he's finished school and stuff like that but then now we have more in-depth conversations about those years and you you know you have to be as a parent willing to say sorry to your kids because you're not perfect especially when you raise them so they can you know let their emotions down and they can heal especially as black men because you want them to be whole you know you want them to be whole so um I like that you touched on that, definitely. So, yeah, that's my field. I got a question for you, Catherine. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you look very young yourself. Just out of curiosity, what is the median age range of most of the you know uh, men that you are uh, now working with? Uh, so the men that I've had on the show, I don't think there's been one younger than me like that. Um, they range in their early 30s to early 40s. However, in producing the show, actually, no, I take that back. It's late 20s to early 40s is the age range of the men that I have on the show. And I know that the show gets circulated to certain high school students. Um, I spoke to an eighth grade class before where they've shared some mm. few selective episodes because I do not say that it's Children friendly, there's explicit um, words, profanity that is used. Sure. However, the topics are something that the kids should be exposed to as this is life experience of 
their elders, um, the ones that they look up to, and some of the men that come on the show do work in education. Mm-hmm. So because of that, they have stronger <laughs> and closer ties to young, impressionable boys, which is something that is going to be the next step in the platform is forging a mentorship program, but a mentorship mm-hmm. program in the sense okay. of very similar to Big Brother, Big Sister, but in the sense of we now live in a world where we can be expressive, we can be creative, we can have our own skills and talents outside of work. So having young boys, shadow photographers, visual stylists, um, videographers, rappers, and just learning how you can balance your own personal brand and still strive and thrive into different industries outside of what they typically try to push on black men. You need to be a star athlete or you can go to medical or law or just showing them different avenues from a younger age. So and it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, if you're able to no, not asking anyone's personal information, what is a lot of the feedback that you're getting from people that come to you on this platform from the men that are asking, like, what are they asking? You know what I mean? What are they seeking when they come to, to the platform? Like, I want people to hear and listen to this because not just that, you know, um, we know that men do cry too, but if there are men out here, we want them to be able to come to your platform because, again, we know that a lot of times men keep this suppressed, Catherine, and they are not doing well. You know what I mean? So what are some things that may even be relatable that you hear for yourself that they may say, that's me. You know, uh, we do a lots of episodes and it's, you know, we know that girls are having these little um, parties and listening to our episodes but I have a lot of male friends that are listening to episodes by themselves and they tell me, you know what I mean, that they're listening. So if I have one of my male friends listening to this and things are going on, I don't want them to tell me they want to reach out to you, but I want them to hear something that may spark them because I want people to feel well mentally. You know what I mean? That's that's huge. So if you can share some of these scenarios and we can probably jump in, that would be awesome. Yeah, so what I typically say um, with the platform is the platform is just supposed to be a design of what a safe space could look like. And it's supposed to be a representation that these uncomfortable conversations are actually possible. And we're showing that. Like, we visually, that's why it's a visual show. I visually want people to see I'm a woman of color sitting down with my platonic male friend or a male I've never met before and we're having these challenging conversations and we're okay. Mm-hmm. We're okay having them. Like it's okay. It's more so showing like the first step is having that conversation and mm-hmm. feeling okay and safe to have that conversation. That's why I keep using the word safe because we want people to feel that's how you express vulnerability. You feel safe to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. How can someone get to the state of vulnerability? They need to feel safe with those that they're being vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. Um, typically with the show, I do like learning and pulling from them. What do they do to challenge themselves when they don't feel emotionally or mentally? Okay. Okay. So I always ask for resources. Um, I ask what their healing toolbox looks like because everyone's toolbox is different, but the purpose is learn what, is in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Learn what resources you need 
to be able to be okay when you don't feel okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those different resources can look like? No? Okay, we have a list of resources as well. These are why these men are coming on the show so they can express what they've been through, what they did to survive or overcome, mm-hmm. what mindset that shifted, what perspective that gave them, mm-hmm. and how they're able to live life lighter. Mm-hmm. Essentially what the show is about is to help unload some of the weight and some of the baggage that they're carrying. Okay. Erica Badu said bag lady. There's bag men running around this world too. So mm-hmm. don't think Tyrone yeah. didn't have a whole bunch of luggages. That's why she kept telling him to come get your what? Mm-hmm. Because he has a lot of stuff. It goes both ways. Get a minute. <laughs> that's I mean that's true. That is that is so yeah, true. It is. It's very true. That is so true. You know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that a broken man um is and a broken man that cannot have a resource or an outlet to to try to repair itself dangerous. is dangerous. Very. It's very right. dangerous. It's dangerous to the entire community in a sense because then there's going to be someone that he loves or loves him, and mm-hmm. then they're going to reproduce, and then we're going to continue the cycle. Yep. So it's essentially this platform is to break our generational curses. We all have them. We yeah. all carry them, but yeah. yes. like you were saying before, like you need to deprogram. It's the process of breaking those curses and breaking those cycles. This clearly didn't work for this generation, but we understand why they had to do it. It was a survival. Now we have to unlearn that survival mindset and start practicing a this is your means of survival. Mm-hmm. You have to explore all your emotions, release all of your emotions. You mm-hmm. can't be pent up. We're angry and we're exhausted as a community, right. as a culture. That is, you, yes. you hit a really good one. Pent up, angry. You know that's um that's a that's a huge one. So on on the um, on your platform, um, being able to know what's in your toolbox and what um, can you explain what the toolbox actually is? What so I can visually in my mind try to put that together because I'm trying to like see what how this plays out you know i call it a toolbox it's mainly my therapist created that term for me and that mindset for me um we call it a toolbox because it's what do i do or where do i go when i don't feel okay mm. do does that mean that our bi-weekly appointments then jump to a weekly appointment because i need a weekly check-in i need a session where i can unload and air out my grievances to um, an unbiased person so that she's one of my tools in my toolbox, my therapist. Things you do to cope with what's going exactly. on. Exactly. What gotcha. what okay. tools do you need? Mine is the gym. Some people can be going out with their yes. friends to recharge. Right. Mine is right. turning my phone off. Like, what do I need to do to help recharge? That's my toolbox. That's the toolbox that we're trying That's to That's awesome, like, though. Everyone has their own outlet. That's awesome. I'm, I mean, I like the, the the term of using it. You know what I mean? Everybody's toolbox has something different in it that's going to work mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So um, so I heard you. I just want to ask you a quick question. You said guys come into your studio. Is that what you said earlier? Like you have almost face-to-face kind of um, is that what? We record in person, but we record as an actual like video recording. So it's a show, a visual show. So that's what I mean when they come into the space, when they come into the studio. I want to ensure that even though they're sitting in front on camera, like you're already feeling comfortable before the camera turns on. 
And and so the second thing is like, which is like the first step of the 12 step, it sounds like where you're at that infantile stage of we have to give you a safe place to acknowledge because we can't heal what we don't reveal, right? Exactly. So it sounds like to me, you, you know, you, you're, you're saying here's a place that you can come to acknowledge that you're struggling. Or and you that's, can that's talk really, about you overcoming and being healed right. or healing. Yes, yes, yes. I got you. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff. There's different awesome. stages, and I feel like right. people need to hear the different stages to recognize, well, what stage am I at? Am I at the stage where I realize I need healing? Okay, right. what's my next step? My next step is to find someone to help in my healing process? Cool. Am I in a stage where it's, oh, I'm in denial, and now i got to sit here and self-reflect? Awesome. Or am I now in the... um in the process where maybe I don't need a one-on-one person, but we need a person for my relationship. Like now I need to bring someone in to help in our relationship because that's where I'm struggling being communicate uh, with my partner or finding a different outlet to release for my stresses at work. So it doesn't fall on my children because they have a question with virtual learning. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are in your recovery would would depend on what type of tool in your toolbox that you would need that's applicable for what you're going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm feeling you, Catherine. I really am. I, I, I appreciate what you're doing. That's really awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Seems wow. like the porch is like you guys' toolbox, too. The porch is in your yeah. guys' toolbox. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that, you know, um, I think that you hit on a lot of really good points, um, Catherine, and you know, the biggest thing that we like to, to do here on the porch is be a resource, you know, for for people that hear us and for people that share um, who's listening to us, because we are not just um, here for entertainment. We're here to, you know, empower people. You know, what I mean, mental health is not just um, something that you know, you, you can take a, a magical pill and say it's going to be all right. You know, it, it, right. it takes a lot of work to, on your part, on your, on your own part to, to bring yourself to a well space. You know what I mean? It really does. Um, and I don't think it's a, a one fixed type of fit all, you know, so in these type of, um, times that we live in, you know, I think that this, the support that we share with each other to help each other feel better, because these are just really challenging times. You know what I mean? Um, people are suffering with um, lack of resources, lack of money. You know what I mean? A lot of things are going on and the demand has not changed. And we're in a society where hate is becoming a common theme. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, but we're still, we're still asked to be um, normal and act normal. So, um, right. you know, do black men cry? Yeah, they cry. <clears throat> should they cry openly and outwardly? Yes, they should. You know what I mean? They should let people know that they're hurting. They should let people know mm-hmm. that, you know, something is bothering me. I'm not in a well space. You know, I need to have self care time. I need to do self love on myself. You know, um, we have it as black women. We all are in the same bucket because we are all struggling to um, meet everyone's expectation. And it's it's a challenge every day. So again, we'd like to thank you, um, 
for bringing us all this wealth of information. So what we would like for you to do for us right now, Catherine, is to tell us again, one, how can our audience um, get in touch with you? Um, what platform are you on? And we'll definitely share that again when we air this episode. But the most important thing is how can they get in touch with you and what social media platforms are you on? Yeah, you can get in touch directly. All information, including resources that we've found for the community will be on the website at www.blastmen.com cry2.com there has the links to the youtube page where the videos live so you'll see season one and two um the podcast is also accessible via spotify and apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. and we are on instagram blackman cry2 spelled out Mm t-o-o and you're gonna need to know the email address is also there as well it's blackman cry2 at email however you feel the need to reach out um, via Instagram or email would be best. And anybody who has resources that they want to add, we do take submissions for resources so we can share it on the website as well as the social media. Awesome. 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 And you know, we would love for you to come back in season three, just to tell us how your journey is going, you know, how things are going on the platform, because we want to keep this spirit definitely alive. You know, this is something that, um, we talk about all types of things for our sister girls, self-care, self-love. <clears throat> we want to definitely keep our brothers um, in the fold. So, you know, we're going to keep you um, front and center, Catherine. So when season three, three, three rolls around, we'll definitely um, say, hey, hey, girl, come on back over here. And, um, you know, share, share some time with us, you know, because you were awesome tonight. So, Jay and um, Celeste, do you have any um, final thoughts for Catherine? Again, I thank you personally myself because um, you did an awesome job. And um, I think your platform is um, magnificent. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. I appreciate you as well. I mean, not just for my grandchildren, all, all the boys, but for the women in my group that need men that are healthy. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine. As I've seen both ends of the spectrum, um, I really, truly appreciate you creating that platform because we have to all start somewhere. And, you know, this is the biggest thing for a lot of people. You create a plan, you create a process, short-term, long-term goals, but you have to build that courage to start. And that is, is directly hinges upon who is that person in front of you. And how do they give you that safe space and that energy and that vibe that you can feel comfortable so the healing process can begin? So I thank you for that. And I'm going to make sure I follow you. And uh, if you do end up needing to hear anything about my little two cents, 
one and a half cents on any of your platforms, please hit me up. I'd love to share. I'd love to be able to uh, conversate with any uh, gentleman on there that you're having that looking for any kind of additional encouragement, um, share stories or anything like that. I'm here for you. Nice meeting you. And again, really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for that. And I'm going to hold you to it. So be careful what you throw out there. I always tell you that. Be careful what you throw out there. Mm-hmm, I catch it, and then it'll be like six months later. You might have forgotten. And I'm like, hey, remember that one time when you had said, yeah, I'm turning it. Well, you just hit me up. Hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah. more than two cents. So you hit <laughs> So I think that's, that's, that's yeah, I know he will definitely do it because, you know, these are, um, this is their their field of expertise. So, again, thank you, Catherine. Um, as again, we're never here to offend. We're always here to empower. Um, we had an awesome night tonight. And uh, meet us back here on the porch next Sunday. This is Les Chichester. I am Kimmy. And I'm the girls from Les. This is JB from NC. Have a wonderful night and a wonderful week of purpose. Good night. <laughs>